Hey, what's up, worship teams, leaders, and friends? Thanks so much again for joining us and downloading, subscribing to the Worship Team Training Podcast. This is a special episode presented and hosted by Worship Team Training University, special interview with vocal coach Jeff Mathena. And the reason why we're doing this is because we want to give you a little bit of the inside look of what we call our Thursday trainings and all of our trainings that happen throughout the week. This is only one of the special broadcast that you get when you become a WTTU member and you also get the 800 articles, videos, devotionals, downloads, content, more instructional videos and live shows every week. So as you're going to hear Jeff Mathena talking about voice, how to improve it, you're going to get much more of this when you become a member. So all you need to do is go back to WTTU.co and at the end of this broadcast, I'll share with you a special way of how you can take part in getting a membership that grows along with you and your worship leadership. So let's head on over to our special podcast with Jeff Mathena. This is the Worship Team Training University Podcast. Now, here's your host, Brandon Dempsey. Hey, Worship Team Training University members, what is going on? Good Thursday morning to you. Thanks so much for dropping by and checking out our videos here. We have Jeff Mathena right here in the hot seat, ready to go to teach about our voices and vocals and things that we need to know as singers and worship leaders. So good day, everybody. I'm Brandon Dempsey. Great to have you today. If you are watching this for the first time and you're trying out this membership, we say thank you and we say also welcome and we invite you to become a full member here at WTTU.co. Those listening to the podcast, a special for you and we're so happy to bring this. You get a little bit of insight from what we do here at the university and great guys like Jeff Mathena and many more that come on to teach every week on top of all the other content that you get. To learn more, go back to WTTU.co. Members, we have a special treat for you this week, so check out your newsletter that you already received, and plus new stuff coming out that we have for you this next week, and we have some new things coming that we really think you're going to enjoy, but welcome to today. Uh, The question of the week, what's the difference between a song leader and a worship leader? Is it just somebody who sings, and if we do sing or lead worship, how are we to take care of the instrument that God gave us. How are we to improve our voices? And that is what Jeff Mathena is here to talk about today. Jeff Mathena is a vocal coach, worship leader, and songwriter who has quickly become one of the premier coaches in the industry. And he's got his own ministry called The Unhindered Voice that you can find at his website, and uh, that is the unhinderedvoice.com. And Jeff has worked with many uh, gospel music associations, uh, singers. He's been working with the Immerse Conference and also a guest teacher at Shane Shane's Linger Conference, also vocal coach with good friend of ours, Jenny Riddle, and also worked with people including uh, Carrie Job, King Country, Phil Wickham, Jordan Feliz, and Elevation Worship. Feliz, sorry. And uh, it's great to have him today. So let's get right to it. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing great. How you doing? Doing wonderful, man. It's so great to have you today here on Thursday. Thanks for uh, coming and sharing your teaching with us. Absolutely. Uh, it's my pleasure to do that. And can I say, you have got that intro thing down. <laughs> that was fantastic. That well, was, I was I, just marveling at the uh, uh, the amount of content you just went through inside I, of three minutes. Don't ask me to do it again because it won't happen. 
You well, I have a podcast, one... and it's not easy to do what you <laughs> said. <laughs> it's one shot, Johnny. That's that's it. But uh, thank... <laughs> I'm so glad that you're here, man. Um, we've been talking now for the past few months and uh, getting to know your heart, getting to know you. And I'm just so impressed by your technique and, most of all, your heart for the church. And so it's a blessing to have you on today. And plus, members, you're going to be seeing more of Jeff Mathena as we're talking about new programs. Training Tracks is one of them that's coming to you this fall, and you're going to be getting members only get a preview of it later on this summer. So watch for that. But Jeff, uh, we're talking about the whole topic of struggle, of singers knowing what to do to give their best for the shape of their voice, they need a workout. I know I need a vocal workout. We all need it. Uh, it's, it helps us week after week in, in our, our vocal leading abilities. But how important is it to keep the voice in shape? Well, I think you just kind of just – you touched on the reason that it's important um, is because our voices just don't obey us, yeah. you know, especially with, with the current state of, of – I mean – we're in, we're in a period of time where music in the church and contemporary worship music, there's just so much good stuff out there. Yeah. And I know a lot of worship leaders uh, might want to complain about the fact that so much of the music is so high. Yeah. Um, but the reality is you have some of the best singers in the church are recording and releasing these songs. And what they understand is that there is a place in the voice where uh, it just kind of comes into its own. Hmm. The climax of these songs is, or or, or these songs are written so that the climax of the song um, and the melody will will coincide with where your voice really wants to open up and and get into a really exciting place. And um, these singers that are recording the songs typically know how to engage that part of their voice. But when you have uh, a worship leader at a local church um, that is being asked to essentially cover that song, And, and sing on the same level as these singers, it leads to a lot of uh, uh, leads to worship leaders being self-conscious, being self-aware, um, struggling with thinking about the right, uh, the wrong things um, while they're leading. And so I think in the end, vocal training is about disciplining the voice kind of a la first Corinthians nine, where Paul talks about disciplining the body and keeping it under control so that it obeys you. Um, and, uh, in the end, the reason that vocal training becomes so important is so that we can, uh, not so that we can draw more attention to our voices and be more impressive singers, but so that our experience of using our voices becomes different so that we can stop thinking about whether our voice is going to obey us and just trust that it's going to be there to help us deliver the the truths that we're singing about that the people in our congregation so desperately need yeah yeah i love that because truth is what we're singing about and talking about so that people can latch onto the words i love that uh tell us what what does and, and and before you move on guys as always members you can always comment please send us your questions we'll get those to jeff and field those out whatever that you'd like to ask or thoughts or comments especially those of you who are watching the playback as always an audio as well let us know what they are and we'll get them right to jeff and i can even email to them if you're like a day later so so don't worry uh jeff what does the excellence in singing really look like well, I think to understand that, you first have to start with an understanding of biblical excellence. Um, okay. We tend to think of excellence 
in the world or, or the worldly definition of excellence, I think has more to do with achievement. It's uh, some ideal that we formulate in our minds that we've based off of listening to somebody else. So, you know, how many of you worship leaders and singers out there have some singer that you idolize on some level? Um, mm. If you're a female worship leader out there, it's likely going to be somebody like Amanda Cook or Carrie Job or whoever it might be. And you hear the singer and you go, well, that's excellent. If right. I can sing like them, right. that would be an example of me achieving excellence. But I think that that's a very worldly understanding of excellence because you are, you are formulating your own idea of some achievement and now you're trying to formulate a way to get there. I think biblical excellence is more about the process. Okay. I, it's, it's about faithfulness and stewardship. And um, the, the really difficult thing when it comes to singing and excellence is that effective stewardship is something that uh, is difficult to come by because it really requires somebody to show you how to effectively steward your voice, how to effectively develop your voice. It's not like shooting a basketball where you can go watch a YouTube video and actually see what the arm muscles and the leg muscles and everything are, is, is doing. And you have this very mm-hmm. um, decisive outcome of, of putting the ball in the hoop, right? With mm-hmm. singing, you can't really see the muscles that matter. Mm-hmm. And our perception of our voices it can be so misleading and, and so what we're aimed at can be so subjective that singers just so easily get in their own head, start um, critiquing themselves, criticizing themselves, getting themselves into a rut. Mm-hmm. And it takes somebody um, who really knows how to uh, show an individual how to steward their voice well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that that's what's needed for somebody to really – start pursuing excellence. But in the end, excellence is about a pursuit, not about some end goal. Got it. So how does one take care and steward their voice weekly? I mean, is it a weekly thing? Is it a daily thing? What do you recommend for most volunteer singers? I think it's it's very similar to, you could draw a lot of parallels between um, keeping your voice in shape and keeping the rest of your body in shape. Hmm, true. If you go to the gym once a week, I don't think it's realistic to think that you're actually going to get in better shape. Maybe you maintain where you already are. And that's assuming you're doing a workout that's actually effective. It could also hurt you once a week. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, so, so I think it's, it's about establishing a regimen that's proven to be effective, um, that you can stick with, that, again, is going to discipline your voice, essentially create a track hmm. for your voice to follow. Hmm. Um, and there's so many different theories about what that discipline can look like. And most of them are way less effective than the teachers would you know, have you believe, mm. but you see the same kind of thing in, in physical fitness, you know, that, that there are so many different types of workouts and everybody's trying to find the secret to make it the most efficient. Um, and in the end, the people that get in the best physical condition are the ones that are most committed to being in the, in the best physical condition. Uh, condition, And they basically say, I'm going to do whatever it takes because this is it's the process that's really important to me. Something I always tell uh, singers is don't be the kind of singer, metaphorically speaking, yeah. <laughs> that does one sit-up and then goes and checks the mirror for a six-pack. Okay. It's got to be a process. It's got to be something that you learn to love the process and you find 
um, a regimen that is effective and you stick to it over a period of time, uh, because that's when you start to see sustained growth over time. Um, there's no hmm. 10-step plan to getting a six-pack where you can just go step-by-step. Step. Like it's a, it's a process that you have to commit to, and it doesn't always work out how you think it should. And singing is very much the same way that you have to develop a regimen that's, or you have to commit to a regimen that is proven, um, and then you have to be willing to learn to enjoy that regimen, learn to enjoy that process rather than always – so to speak, just checking the mirror every yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I see singers that, um, just to keep on taking this metaphor is just so appropriate. Sure. If you go and, and step on the scale, if you're trying to say, you're trying to get a better shape and you go and step on the scale every single day, you're going to get really frustrated because change is gradual. Mm-hmm. But if you stick to a regimen and you step on step on the scale once a week or once a month, all of a sudden, your progress can be the exact same, but you'll be so much more encouraged. Your your experience of that progress is very different. And so, with singers, um, you know, especially if they're if they're taking voice lessons, what I always tell them is that they should expect to see real growth in a session. They should expect to get a taste of what they're aimed at. But when it comes to that growth becoming just part of who they are, mm-hmm. it's something that requires lifelong commitment and lifelong disciplining. And on that, you know, I I mentioned first Corinthians nine, the thing about first Corinthians nine is that it's all about Paul's effectiveness as being a steward of the gospel, right? So he talks about denying himself, all of these rights. He denies himself income, not because uh, taking income was a bad thing, not because pastors shouldn't be paid, but Paul's concern was that he would become an obstacle to someone accepting the gospel that he was preaching just the position he was in. Mm -hmm. So he said, you know what? If somebody says, Paul, I don't think you believe what you're preaching. Um, Because every time you plant a new church, you get a paycheck and that's really what you care about. His response will go, nope, that can't be your offense because I don't even take a paycheck. Mm -hmm. But the gospel, Mm -hmm. like I'm not going to be the reason, I'm not going to be the obstacle, the stumbling block that prevents you from accepting this message. And then at the end of the chapter, he goes into his, physical body and the lack of discipline and the need to prepare himself as a runner runs a race or a fighter prepares for, for battle. Mm-hmm. And singers have to look at their preparation throughout the week in a very similar way that on Sunday morning, you're going in and, and I mean, you are a soldier in a battle and you are, you are using your voice and you're using the gift of music, which I would argue is the best gift we've ever been given aside from God's word. Right. You're using this gift and wielding this gift to fight the battles that are going on in the hearts and minds of every single person in your congregation. And when your voice does not obey you, you are not um, you are not as effective of a soldier as you should be. Okay. Okay. So take us through this. If singers, worship leaders are to be soldiers, we need to better prepare, we need to better steward our voices, and by any kind of practicing that singers may do, I mean, singers can go from a range of, well, just turning on the MP3 in their car, that's their practice time, or when they get home, they sing in the shower, they do a few skills. Can you break it down for us? What would be an ideal good practice time, and, and which would be effective for singers that they can spend their time more adequately? What, yeah. would, it, what would it look like? 
I think the the first step is to commit to doing a simple warm up at least three to four times a week in the morning. So you got a 20, 30 minute commute. Um, you find a recorded warm up, and this is really largely why I created my podcast, the Unhindered Voice Podcast, has uh, free weekly vocal warm ups uh, that drop every Saturday. So they're available to worship leaders on Sunday morning, but it's really meant. Mm to provide a tool so that people can open a new episode every single morning if they want, or, or just cycle through their favorite episodes every morning and, and go through that. It's like a 10 to 15 minute vocal warm up every single morning. And, and what you are doing is you are creating patterns for your voice to follow. And it's not focused on you figuring out some trick. It's focused on you building that, building that routine. And so that's the first thing is to build in something 10, 15, 20 minutes every single day that you can work into your routine that you don't even think about. You just, you just do it. Um, I think that's the first step. Um, and it's very comparable to let's, you know, draw another parallel with like nutrition, somebody who's trying to get in better shape, you make small changes over time. So the first thing you might do is try to cut out or at least significantly limit the amount of processed sugar. Mm-hmm. that you're eating like that's a real that's usually the first step the nutritionists say hey if you want to be in better shape just reduce your sugar intake um and over time as you get used to doing that you kind of naturally lead yourself into this place where you go okay now i'm ready for the next thing okay now i'm ready for the next thing now i'm ready for the next thing um where my wife and i started i mean we just our new our nutritional regimen is so much different than it used to be five or six years ago when we really started learning about nutrition. And I think singers should expect to experience the same kind of gradual change by making little changes um, today that they can stick to day after day and week after week. And um, as you stick to those over time, you will gain more and more perspective. And I think those next steps become kind of obvious that you go at some point you go, you know what? I think I want to, I want to get a little bit deeper. I want to enroll in a course. I want to take a private lesson. I want to go to a workshop. I want to expand my warm up from 10 minutes to 20 or 30 minutes. Um, you know, there's so many different things you can go, but it always, it always starts with those little steps of just saying, I'm going to begin disciplining my voice in a way that is helping it to function the way it was designed to function. And I realized that the way it kind of wants to function naturally or the wants to, to, to work naturally is not, doesn't not necessarily align with the way it was designed. Awesome. Okay. So you think um, it's common though, isn't it? That most singers just are not really using the voice that they naturally have. Why is that? Well, I think it's because we're so self-critical. We listen to the sound in our heads hmm. and then we adjust. And, and we have, you know, our, our, the instruments that are inside of our bodies are so, um, I don't know if this is a word, manipulatable. Right, right. You can manipulate them so easily, <laughs> produce different types of sounds. And, um, you know, singers have two ways that they can, they primarily experience their voices. They have what they feel and what they hear. And, um, you know, a little pro tip, by far, the majority of singers, maybe 100% of the singers that come into my studio that are really struggling with their voice are focusing way too much on what they hear. Hmm. 
and the singers on the other side, uh, almost universally, that just have the easiest voices ever, you know. And, and so I'm thinking people like Phil Wickham, you know, the guys that you just kind of want to punch him in the face because his voice is just so perfect all the time. Um, he focuses his his experience of his voice is focused primarily on what he feels. He wants his voice to feel a certain way. And I think a lot of singers that run into trouble, they go, well, I'll sacrifice a good feeling if I can manufacture a sound that I mm. think is pleasing. I see. Yeah. And um, the problem with that is, you know, how many of you out there have ever heard a recording of yourself talking? I ask this at every class I teach. Mm. How many of you have heard a recording of yourself speaking and, you know, everybody raised their hands and I say, how many of you felt good about it? And everybody <laughs> lowers their hand. That's true. Okay, so why is that? Yeah. Well, it's not because uh, they have annoying voices, at least not most of them. Uh, it's, it's because expectation doesn't match reality. And the thing that I always tell people is if you're basing all of your decisions on how to use your voice, conscious and unconsciously, if you're basing those decisions based on, on what you hear and what you want to hear, you're you're aiming for mist. Like you're aiming for something that even if you get it, it's not going to end up being what you think it's going to be. And, uh, and so people that focus so much on what they hear and shaping their voice and trying to manipulate their voice so that it sounds pleasing. When we actually get to their voice to a place that it's functioning the way that it's supposed to function and their natural you know, their sort of their true tone, their true voice, their best voice is coming out. They hear it in their heads and a hundred percent, 10 times out of 10, they'll go, okay, that feels good, but I don't like the way it sounds. <laughs> and then I play a recording back to them and go, well, here's what you actually sound like. And they go, Oh, that is not what I was expecting. But unlike a recording of hearing themselves speaking, they'll actually like what they hear. They'll, they'll realize that um, in order to get that ideal sound for you know that everybody else that they want everybody else to hear, they actually have to stop focusing so much on what they hear in their own head. Mm. It's it's all about getting the voice to function the way it was designed to function. And, and and what I always tell people is, it doesn't make sense to me that God would design the voice in such a way that it either can feel good or it can sound good. And that's the way we approach singing so often as singers is we go, well, this might feel awful, but at least it's moving closer to the tone that I want. At least I'm getting more power. At least I feel like I'm getting more range or whatever, but it feels awful. But I'll sacrifice that in order you know, to have a good time. That's not the way the, the voice was designed. If you're moving toward um, something that feels better, that feels more intuitive regarding like how it was designed to function, you're probably moving toward a better tone as well. Right. Because that's the way, you know, prior to the fall, prior to, to Adam and Eve rebelling, the voice that they would have had, that's really what we're aimed at in vocal yeah. training. We're trying to experience that kind of voice. And the voice that they would have had would have felt amazing, would have been an extension of just who they were and, and how they felt and, and what they wanted to express. And it would have, there would have been no possible improvement they could have made to actually make the sound the tone better yeah love that now now speaking speaking of tone and speaking of making your voices better one thing that we've been talking about that you open up with the very beginning was about 
you know, ranges in songs, singing too high. Um, most singers, like what we talked about this past week, they're, they're having trouble finding the right key. Uh, females is too high because the males are singing high, vice versa. Can you kind of walk us through what would be helpful for worship leaders to finding the right key? And then yeah. would you mind – I know we're kind of you know jumping off a little bit, rabbit trailing. Oh, that's great. But, but would you also talk about the four types of voices and the notes? Uh, like SATB, four types of voices? Right. Um, sure. So the process of finding the right key, I think the way it typically goes – is um, people will start singing the verse and they go, okay, this feels good. And then they get into the chorus and it's a little bit high for them. And they go, nope, that doesn't feel good. So let me now lower the chorus to, to a place that it feels good. And they go, okay, now that chorus feels good. And they go back to the verse and they go, great. Now the the, cor- the verse is way too low. So now they're finding some key in the middle where it, it the verse feels low, but not too low. And the chorus feels high, but not completely unreachable. And, uh, man, that's just a tough place to be week in and week out. You never really feel like you're owning a song. Yeah. So uh, the first step is I think you you have to train your voice. You have to realize that your voice is designed to do all the things that you think it's supposed to be able to do. Um, And you have to pursue – the, the right way of training your voice and, and uncovering your voice's full potential, because that's just going to make choosing a key a lot easier. Something that I get to singers on, I get on singers about all the time is if you can only sing a song in one key, you're like, you know, I can do it in F sharp, but I can't do it in G like that. You know, and I can't do it in F either. Like it's gotta be F sharp. Um, if you are a guitarist playing in a band, you know, and, and, and the song's in G, and they go, you know what, we'd like to move it up to A, and the guitarist is like, I don't know how to do that. I only play in G. The perception is, wow, you don't really know your instrument. Hmm. Um, Singers get away with saying, no, I can only sing it in one key. But that's because singers become experts in pulling things off. So the first step, I think, is you really have to learn to approach the voice in the way that a musician would approach their instrument. Um, but then assuming that you're, you have ownership of your voice, you have command and authority over the instrument. That is your voice. Then I think the process of finding the right key is about making sure that the climax of the song, the most exciting part of the song aligns with the most exciting area of your voice. So for most women, um, the, the area that, that that is meant to take place, um, unless they're a true alto, and we'll talk about what makes you a true alto here in a second, the most exciting area of a woman's voice is typically going to be uh, in the somewhere between a B-flat and a C-sharp. And, um, and, and those are notes that if you don't know how to get into what's referred as a mixed voice mm-hmm. where you're getting the release of your head voice, but the depth of your chest voice at the same time, right? Those notes all become problematic because most women are going to look at it and go, well, I can either yell and have a feeling of power, but my pitch suffers and my longevity suffers and my tone suffers, or I can let go and flip up into head voice. And now I have the ease and the release and I have good tone, but I have no power. Um, but if you're able to find that pocket in your voice that incorporates both that depth of your chest voice and the release and ease of your head voice, 
that's actually at, at that sort of B flat, B, C, C sharp area is where the most exciting part of your voice is going to exist. And that's why so many of these songs, the climax of the song in yeah. the original key goes right through that area. And what For about guys? Um, that's the same thing's going to happen about a half an octave lower. So like a, a E F F sharp, that's going to be where that, that area comes in. Um, now there are a lot of women. I've met so many women out there that think that they are altos and they're, they're not. Um, just because you are more comfortable in your chest voice than your head voice, that does not make you an alto. Just because you like singing lower does not make you an alto. What actually makes um, somebody a true alto is that their bridge, so the bridge or, or Italian word is passaggio, it's the passageway between the chest voice to the head voice, the location that that transition naturally wants to take place. Like, you know, it'll never move. It's how it's built. It's, it's built into your voice in the same way that, you know, cars are designed to shift from first to second gear at a particular speed. Mm-hmm. It's the place that your voice naturally wants to shift that location of resonance and that register. That location for a true alto is actually in the same place as a tenor. Wow. So, so instead of an A, B flat, B, it's at a D, E flat, E, half an octave lower. Um, if you are a, you know, a tenors and, and baritones, most baritones, um, their bridge is going to be a D, E flat, E. Um, but what makes you a true bass is if your, uh, if your bridge, if you're actually really with a bass, it becomes a little, little confusing because there's most basses don't really have access to their head voice anywhere in the in the same way that a tenor would be. So their, their experience of the transition is actually completely different, but that transition is going to happen just a little bit below where a tenor's transition would. But talking about identifying, are you soprano, alto, tenor, bass? It, it, the, the first um, identifying factor has to do with where your first bridge is located. And there are actually very few true altos out there. There aren't many. Um, I mean, out of the hundreds and hundreds of singers I've worked with, maybe like 1% of them, 1% of the women I've worked with have been true altos. Mm-hmm. So, um, hmm. fascinating. Yeah. And, and so, uh, whether, you know, regardless, like if you have trouble getting through that part of your voice, and I imagine there are just so many, so many men and women out there that are going, oh yeah, like D, E flat, E for the guys. That's where I start reaching and it becomes, I don't like singing there. And women, A, B flat, B, they go, yep, that's where I start feeling that tension. It's it's like it's like driving a, a manual transmission car and refusing to shift out of first gear. That, that that tension just starts building and building and building in your throat. You start pushing more and more. And they go, yeah, I mean, that's been my struggle for years. Mm-hmm. It's really important that everybody out there understand that that's not the way it was supposed to be. Um, there's a, there's a quote by CS Lewis that I'll kind of of paraphrase it, but, um, it's a really well-known quote basically says, if I find in myself desires that nothing in this life can satisfy, um, then the most logical explanation is that I was meant for another world. And I think that the desire 
for a better voice, for a perfect voice can, can be one of those desires. But when people's experience of their voice is struggle year in and year out, yeah. you know, year after year, their, their experience is struggle. Their experience is, man, I, especially worship leaders, I go to sing these songs on Sunday. I feel under-equipped for what I'm being asked to do. I'm fighting with these songs. I'm pulling them off. People are telling me that I do a good job. But, man, I just know that I could be doing better. It's really dangerous if you get into a place where you actually begin to accept those limitations Mm -hmm. and you start to side on what your experience is telling you your voice is supposed to be capable of rather than what, you know, uh, your, your gut or your soul or your, just your instinct is telling you your voice should be capable, should be capable of. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with C.S. Lewis, it's that same thing where C.S. Lewis go, I have desires. Well, what if C.S. Lewis was to say, well, nothing in this life can satisfy those desires. So they must not be legitimate desires. No, it's it's a reminder that things are not the way that they were meant to be. Mm-hmm. And the answer that we're given in First Corinthians nine is discipline. That's the anecdote. Got it. Got it. I love that. And you mentioned that at the very top, and that seems that's that's sticking with me too. Uh, so as, as we wrap up and guys, we ask for your comments to put those in there again on the playback as well. Jeff, of all the things that we talked about, I mean, you mentioned discipline that stands out, um, for the volunteer, for the worship leader out of all that we talked about today, what's the one thing that stands out to you the most that you can put in just one sentence for all of us? Uh, in terms of one thing that stands out in terms of what they need to be doing on a practical level, right? Um, I think you need to take your fate into your own hands and look for the resources to discipline yourself, your own voice on a daily basis. And I think you need to seek the leadership of your church, pursue the leadership in your church for support. Um, resist the temptation to, to feel like you're on an Island and that you're being asked. The hardest thing for volunteers is if they're asked to do things that they feel like they're ill-equipped for, Um, but good leadership should be excited at at the prospect of working with somebody who wants to be equipped. Mm. So it's having a desire to want to be equipped. Yeah. yeah. I I think having that desire, believing that it's, that it, that you can be better, that you should be better. Um, and then doing what is necessary on, on an individual basis Again, like the podcast was created, the Unhindered Voice podcast was created for that exact purpose. It is the most accessible. It's free. It's the most accessible thing that you can engage in. Just going and committing to going through a warm-up or something like that um, on a regular basis. And then pursuing the people that are in place to empower you and equip you. Pursuing them and saying, help me be better. Help me steward this gift. Help me develop as a worship leader and and i don't know for lack of a better way of putting it putting the pressure on them um to help you pursue that excellence and to steward your gift well um and that may be something that they need to rise to the occasion on hmm. but i think that's part of you know building team camaraderie is saying yeah we're not really qualified for what we're being asked to do but we're going to figure it out together yeah love that love that so discipline is key Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. And, and there's a, there's a parallel in, in the disciplining of our voice. And I think the way we sing and what we struggle with in our, in our walk with, with God, 
Um, that's a whole other thing that we don't have time for really. But, um, but, uh, disciplining is as important to the voice as it is to our everyday life. I guess you could, you could sum it up to say that discipline is so important to the Christian walk and it is equally as important to, um, the development of your own instrument. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for sharing with us today about discipline and all of the intricacies about our voice, but helping it to become easier. Thank you. Absolutely. You're welcome. Awesome. And if you stay right there for a second, and uh, guys, we ask that you stay with us as well, because we want to have Jeff Mathena come back to actually do a vocal webinar. Would that be cool? We can pitch you on? Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Um, We'll have Barry um, schedule everything. And so, uh, guys, we want to also invite you to the schedule that we have coming up. We are going to be back with new shows starting on July the 10th and July the 12th with Iron City Worship, plus our webinar still with Gary Durbin that we had to move. That's coming in July as well. Alex Avilia also. And we have Stephen Brewster coming up at the end of July. And we have more videos coming. So uh, you have a lot stuff to work on and things that we're going to be releasing over the next two weeks in lieu of the live shows that we're going to be taking a break from due to the summer and by all means check out your newsletters that's coming to you soon by this coming monday as well as the word of the week so again jeff thanks so much for being with us today absolutely thank you for having me and guys we thank you for being with us today and jeff is going to stay right here we're going to talk some more vocal stuff and we hope that you guys are going to be working on your vocal stuff to see you soon next time thanks for coming and all of our brand new listeners and guys trying out worship team training university be sure to go back to wttu.co love you see you soon bye this has been a worship team training broadcast and digital production with your host and training director Brandon Dempsey. Worship Team Training provides live workshops and online resources to help inspire, create, and transform the leading of worship. We'll see you again right here on Worship Team Training University, WTTU.co. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking out this special edition podcast with Jeff Mathena and talking about how to improve our voices. Do you want to improve not just your voice, but your entire worship leading ministry? Well, if you are not interested, you would not be listening to the end of this podcast, maybe not have even downloaded it in the first place. So we say thank you. We're grateful for that. Now getting back to how you can get a membership here at Worship Team Training University to hear more people like Jeff Mathena, Paul Balash. Stephen Brewster, Jenny Riddle, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of people here involved with the university to make the training great just for you by getting a great package that you can invest into your ministry at a simple, low budget. Head right over to wttu.co slash FS and Frank, T as and Tom, R as and Robert, the number seven. Again, that's wttu.co slash FTR7. Try us out for seven days. If you like it, you can keep the program as it rolls on month after month. You can cancel anytime, and we invite you to check out all that we have to offer by going back to WTTU.co, look at the events page, and everything else because we are here to assist you in your worship leadership growth and for your team. We got team and group rates as well. Again, try us out today, WTTU.co slash FTR7.